Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. Welcome to Kaiju Lie. This week's movie double feature is the original Gojira from 1954 and Gamera, Guardian of the Universe from 1995. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Oh, I'm on fire! That's fine. As long as there's no technical issues, you could be on fire. Let's proceed with the show. Shit, with how many fucking fireworks my neighbor was setting off, it's a distinct possibility. I was going to say, it's going to sound uh, crazy all night. Because our neighborhood is lighting them up like crazy. <laughs> my, my neighborhood, it's the constant thing of firework or gunshot. Should we uh, tell people that are listening that this uh, we're recording on July 4th, so they're not wondering what the hell is going on in your guys' neighborhoods? Well, tech, technically, you don't even have to specify that. If you're recording within eight weeks either direction, people are setting off fireworks. I don't know if you know this, but Americans are real fucking dumb whenever it comes to shit like this. Yes. I don't know. I mean, I mean we had we did our fireworks on Friday, like, and everybody just did them that one night and then moved on. Is that not, not a thing nice. there? What's no. yes? What what were your fireworks for? Oh. What are they, what are they celebrating up there in Canada, Canada? Day? Canada Day. How oh, Canada Day? And that's the day that you pretended you were an independent country. It's just, yes, it's just the day we became a country. Cause like after you guys had your big, long bloody war, it was like, I think it was like that scene from Dr. Strange where we're like, well, why, what happened when you asked the British nicely, if you could be your own country and you guys are like, we never thought of that. We just had a war. And we're like, you had a whole war instead of just asking nicely. So we tried the asking nicely way. And then they're like, if you keep the queen on your money, you can be your own country. And we're like, all right, deal. So I was going to say, it's it's a complicated and weird thing. The more I learn about the Revolutionary War, the more I'm just utterly confused by the entire thing. Not that confused. But like, I want to I own more slaves and pay less taxes. We should be our own country. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty close. Actually, actually a lot of it was like, hey, we've got a bunch of treaties with these Native Americans. And we don't like that because we should be able to take all this land and get rich by taking all that land. And England went, yeah. no, you have treaties. And we were like, well, fuck it, war. It's like, you have treaties, England. I like that you call it the War of Independence, but the only reason you won is because the French came and helped. <laughs> it's like, like yeah, the, teenager, the French who then we constantly disrespected for the rest of history. Yeah, fuck it. 
it was like a teenager though. That's like, I'm going to move out on my own. And then they're constantly borrowing money from dad to pay rent. And you're like, well, are you really proving your independence here? Do you think this A stands for France? Come on. It's a comic book joke. By the way. I accept that. Um, good point. I completely forgot what it was. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, fireworks dumb, especially this year. I don't think fireworks are inherently dumb. I, I kind of enjoy. Uh, for the use of celebrating a free country, it is when you have less rights this Fourth of July than you did last Fourth of July. Yeah, but you have more than you'll have next Fourth of July. Probably. And uh, about two and a half hours north of me, there was another mass shooting today. So, well, it was right in your area, wasn't it? Well, it's sort a of. Bit of a drive. Like I said two and a half hours, but okay. But in Illinois, if you if you're if you say oh, I'm from Illinois, everybody's like, oh, Chicago. So pretty much, yeah. yeah. Which is which is yeah, an insane I, thing. It's always so all over the United States. They use Chicago as the go-to to be like Chicago has gun control and look at all the shootings there. And, Gary, and the Indiana dumb, doesn't have gun control. That's the problem, right? Well, and the whole thing is so the 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 one statistic that really matters is shootings per capita, right? Oh, yeah. So that's you know for every hundred thousand people, how many people get shot? And Chicago never breaks the top 10. Nope. Never. Chicago's because, nowhere near the top 10. Yeah. There's a, that's because there's fucking what? Like 4 million people that live in the greater Chicago area or something insane like that. It's huge. Of course, there are shootings all the time. <laughs> like, it's a fuck ton of people. You know, I legit would have thought that they uh, like, like were like number like top five in the country for shootings per capita the way everyone. Yeah. The way the news it. reports. Yeah. But but it's well, not. Yeah. Like in the, in, the, in the, the crazy thing like is, it, yeah. Yeah. Almost almost all of the ones above it are all in red states, and they want to pretend that they're not. So like Charlotte, North Carolina, more shootings. Like <laughs> St. Louis, more shootings. Yep. So yeah, the Republican speaking line is always like, "Well, look at Chicago. It's a liberal city. You guys can't even control anything." And it's like dipshit. Look at actual statistics instead of just parroting off bullshit. And maybe you'd learn know something. Oh. But no, they don't. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Bullshit. All right. Anyways, so Let's now that it. we've thoroughly depressed everyone immediately into the show. Uh, no, I, no forced like it, look, you guys are right. It's time to move on. Yeah. It's time to move on from discussing all of this, like anti-american propaganda and we'll just discuss the the japanese movie about how terrible it is to get bombs dropped on you by america <laughs> two what? different movies because yeah. technically they, they I, do I, reference it in both movies yeah i would argue yeah. it's a little more nuanced maybe uh the first one is second one i would say a little less nuanced but <laughs> yeah that's fine too you can have both flavors. Well, Doug, since I know you liked one of them more than the other, why don't you tell us about Godzilla or Gojira? Gojira? You guys all watched the original Japanese version, right? Yes. Uh, I did, but I was going to ask if we anybody has watched the other one in recent years. The, the American one where I they, had... like, fuck it all up? 
Yeah, they reshot they a bunch just... of stuff with Raymond Burr and shoehorned it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I'm... seen that one since this one became widely available in North America. So. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. So <laughs> the the Americanized one is fine. Right. It's <laughs> Yeah. That's but that's where it is. It's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, movie. the problem is it's Americanized. So that's the problem with it. Yeah, I was going to say the biggest problem with it is that the original version, as we're going to talk about, is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to fuck with it. Nope. Anyway, sorry, Dad. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Are we still doing a plot description for Godzilla? Because people don't know. Well, um, it depends on how nuanced you want it we, to be, I guess. I, it, I would argue this. Even, even amongst horror movie fans, I know a significant group of people who will have never have seen this movie because a subtitles and b black and white. And really. c they think it's like the same Jeez. thing as like yeah. the 50th Godzilla movie when it's actually a lot different. Yeah, I mean this movie is really it's a drama about the Japanese culture dealing with the impacts of a monster surfacing off its shores. Um and while there are some giant monster stomping scenes, it's really more driven by the discussion about why this is happening and what to do about it. So that's kind of the plot description too, right? Like, yes, big yeah. monster in the ocean. Nobody understands what's going on. It starts stomping. Um, but eventually it becomes how do, what do we do about this? How do, what should like, what should we do and how can we do that? And that's where the focus of the film is, is on these people having these debates um, with some really awesome monster stomping going on in the middle. But right. That's yeah. 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 I would say the first the first thing of note about this movie is for the fact that it's a dude in a rubber suit movie made in the 1950s. It is incredibly nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think the average like fan, even some normies out there, are aware that this film ends with a speech about the dangers of atomic testing, um, which obviously was, in 1954 especially, was really important to the Japanese people. Um, and I think it's... People who watch it would be who haven't seen it in a while, who have only seen the American version, would be surprised how much nuance there is. With even the like the one scientist who's like super upset about the fact that they want to kill Godzilla because he's like, this could be the last of his species. Like, are we seriously going to just wipe it off the planet just because it stomped on a helicopter? And it. Uh, Right, right, and and is it it attacking us unprovoked, or are we shooting heavy artillery at it and pissing it off? Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, all of that discussion takes place, and it's obviously metaphorical for a lot of other things, but it's really interesting to be watching this monster movie from the 50s, which is, like, a time of monster movies. There was giant ants running around the U.S. in one movie, and there's giant tarantulas and all this kind of shit right and none of them had the nuance of this movie it's like um, what if we made them... an atomic monster movie but made it like a real movie yeah turns like out I when say, you do it... shit like that it's good well yeah, and this... there's that 
it's this thing that this movie could have only been made in Japan, like because no other uh, group of persons has the the context to make it, if that makes sense. I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's interesting that they're talking about how men should be careful about nuclear testing and all this stuff, but it coming from a culture that has the unique perspective of being the only culture that's experienced having atomic bombs yeah. dropped on it. And yeah, right. And worth noting, not long after, like, I don't know what the production time on this movie would have been, but like, it's only 10 years after they got bombed. So like, yeah, yeah. When, it's did, recent. They, when did they start writing this script? Like, you know what I mean? Like it, obviously the people involved in making this would have known people who died in those atomic attacks. And that's kind of that there's something about that. Like, like what you're saying, there's a cultural impact when something that big happens that you're right. Can all, this could only be made by, uh, by, by Japanese people in this time. Right. Yeah. And we've seen the remakes. They don't have the same feel to them because, they're not they're, they turn into monster movies right they become typical action-based monster movies and they're, they're just not capable of making that movie again right right yeah especially because in this one the heroes aren't soldiers running in with guns ablazing to have an epic fight scene with godzilla right that's not it really there there yeah. aren't a lot of heroes in this movie Although maybe they are all heroic characters, it's it's complicated. <laughs> well, I th- and I think yeah, that's the nuance we're talking about is this idea that like, well, this guy who's invented this huge weapon that can defeat Godzilla doesn't want to use it because he knows damn well that if he uses it to defeat Godzilla, that weapon will now be available to the world to use in other ways. Right, and, I, and like it's it's one of the most brilliant things that's ever been put in a movie because you know godzilla himself representing kind of the atomic bomb and uh godzilla kind of being this uh wanton natural disaster brought about by japanese guilt essentially (laughs) because there's that that extra layer of the fact that you know the japanese committed a fuck ton of war crimes during World sure, War II. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not even debatable. It's pretty awful, the things that they did. Yeah. It, but the idea of even, even something that awful, does it deserve two entire cities being vaporized? Well, yeah. And yeah. should you escalate? So if you can beat the atomic bomb with a bigger bomb, is that moral? And I think the film does a good job of, you know how like we kind of went silent when you asked that question, the (laughs) film does that um, because there isn't a right answer. You know what I mean? Um, That's why we're still debating the dropping of the atomic bombs so many years later. Um, That's, there is no correct answer to those questions. What happens when you escalate? Are you just making things worse? You know? Um, And yeah, like I, I think the film brilliantly has these characters ask these questions and then not really have an answer. It does. At the end, there is kind of a bit of a cheat <laughs> where the um, the scientist who's invented what the oxygen destroyer or whatever yeah, they call it, the oxygen um, destroyer. He is 
conveniently, you know, has the only version of that with him and dies. And it's like, okay, so now that knowledge is gone, but it's still implied that maybe even he says that if, um, even if he doesn't publish his research, the fact that other people know this exists is enough that it'll eventually be recreated. So it's, even though it gives us kind of a bit of a happy movie ending where they were like, okay, don't worry. We defeated Godzilla without spreading this weapon around the world. They imply that it could still happen. Right. And there's, there's even the line that uh, I, I can't remember the character, the older scientist character guy. Uh, guy with the giant where, mustache. Yes. Where he basically <laughs> says, and who's to say there isn't another one. You know, there might just be another yeah. Godzilla out there, and we just blew up another great big bomb. Which don't they uh, yeah. don't they use that in the sequel? I don't believe so. Keep keep making Godzilla movies. Like, no, no, there was another one. There was another one. Well, it's it is funny because when you think about how many Godzilla movies have existed, and you watch this one, and you're like, they show the body. Not only does he die, <laughs> but his body dissolves because of the nature of the weapon that's used. <laughs> well, but he's died, he te- technically he's died several times. Like yeah. like on screen, and they've always come up with a way to bring him back, like Space Godzilla and shit. <laughs> yeah. In which maybe in future Kaiju lies we can talk about. <laughs> all right. We'll go through all the iterations of Godzilla. Let's, let's save that. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, but the first, I, I have one very important question because I don't okay. have an answer to this. Does anybody have a single negative thing to say about this movie? Because I sure as fuck don't. I, I've thought about this question coming into this because it's my role here to be the asshole who criticizes everything. And um, my the be- the biggest thing I can come up with is in that first kind of attack where we don't see Godzilla and we see like kind of the impact of what he's done but we don't actually see him I feel like some of the like we see the helicopter flip over and stuff but we're meant we're later told that he stepped on it and crushed it but that's not what we saw so that's my big criticism of this film (laughs) it's all I got though acceptable it's like it's really minimal and it's like I, I mean the filmmaking is fantastic. I mean, they do that thing. And it was other monster movies post this would recreate this a lot. But I, I, it's hard for me to think of something that came out too much before it where they like they show you some of the attacking, but then they cut away to it completely. And we're seeing people in different areas dealing with the aftermath and we see the scientists in their labs dealing with it but then we see military people talking about it and then we see you know what i mean like we all these different groups that would naturally be involved become part of this montage of just moving around to different people and like holy shit what are we going to do and they kind of eventually come together at the end and it's it's fantastic for especially for 1954 like this is a time when storytelling in film was a lot simpler and this film is just so much more complex than you would expect. What about you, Brian? Anything bad to say about Godzilla? Uh, more Godzilla. You want more Godzilla? Sure, why not? I can't say. I can't even say more Godzilla because I think all the not Godzilla stuff so great. Yeah, I honestly think they. That was me just coming up with something because you were just, we, dude. We're just going to jump on you now for criticizing the movie that we like. But uh, no, I think they nail it. The the way that they're able to bring in Godzilla as needed to 
create the action and to create that sense of fear and that sense of urgency, but then go back to the human characters, I think really works well. And I think they do just about the right amount where it's, it does seem like we get more and more Godzilla as the movie goes on. Whereas at the beginning, it's just, Hey, ships have sunk. We don't know why. And then there's that first attack where we see the destruction, but we don't see Godzilla. And then we finally get him. And after we get him, we get like three big stomping scenes. I think that, um, kind of play out about as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. It's just, everything's so fucking great. The, the monster, like, the monster design, iconic, right? It's, it's a, it's a rubber suit yeah. monster and it looks so much better than any other thing that they were doing at that time. I'm talking like in the, in the mid 1950s, yeah. you're hard pressed to find something that looks that good. The rest of the special effects are fucking insanely good, especially their model work and stuff. I mean, it looks closer to something yeah, you might see in the seventies than the fifties. Yeah, yeah. I was. I found it really interesting to watch this, just like as a you know somebody who watches way too many movies, and it's like we saw miniature work in like King Kong that was like twenty years before this, and we know what miniature work could be done in Star Wars twenty years after this. But so to watch this and to see how much closer to modern day miniatures it was was fascinating. Like the. The models were just so detailed. They didn't look fake. A couple of the boats that sunk didn't look perfect, but they still look better than you expect for 1954. But when he was attacking those towns and like those big like electric grids and stuff, and that bridge, that the bridge scene is iconic where he tears it apart, and it's like it looks great. Like it doesn't look like a popsicle stick bridge or something, you know, like you see in a lot of these old movies. I, it. it it's really fascinating how they were able to concentrate on the drama, but also make the action sequences so good. Yeah. I was going to say the acting performances are so good that it's one of the few movies I would say you're, you're, you're losing out on this movie. If you watch a dub instead of subtitles, even if you have to watch it or watched a dub. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, even if you have to watch it twice <laughs> because you're missing yeah. shit, cause you're reading the goddamn subtitles, mm-hmm. but yeah. But the acting's just so fucking good in it that, like I said, you're you're losing out. The soundtrack is, it is fucking amazing. Yeah. With regards to the acting, I would point out that it is 1950s acting, um, which I know some modern people have a problem with. To me, you just have to accept that that's how things were done back then. It is a little bit bigger and stagier than what we would expect today, but not. it's not bad. It's just uh, an observation. I will say um, when they it, do some of the prob- like, I was going to say it probably helps them that Japanese uh, mannerisms and stuff are a little more restrained anyway. Yeah. So even though they're going yeah. bigger, ja- Japanese it's still not theater as as, yeah. is is American <laughs> normal. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting, though, watching them behave the way they do. And understanding that it's filtered through like the acting style of the day and everything, though. But I was like, it feels like a little bit racist, like they're people making fun of Japanese people, <laughs> even though I know that they are actually, you know, it's an entirely Japanese production with all Japanese actors and all Japanese crew. I'm like, it still feels like they're making fun of Japanese people. I think because like post this, so many people have made fun of Japanese people by pretending to act like these people. So it's just like, I know that technically it's not racist. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have any favorite scenes? I guess because again, we're just gonna blow this yeah. movie until we're done. I don't know. I, I have. I've always had two favorite scenes. I think number one is uh, after Godzilla gets electrocuted and he starts unleashing the atomic breath for the first oh, time yeah. and fucking like torches yeah. that whole fucking city. That is, I don't primo <laughs> that may be the best foam monster destroying uh city scene ever in a movie of all time it's never been equal even if it is just a weird aerosol spray can coming out of a rubber mouth <laughs> it still looks great though i think the right. black and white really helps this movie too i think it looks a lot less cheesy if it were than if it were in color um i like how he's rampaging through the city all those like reporters are like huddled up on that tower and they're like, Oh yeah. no, he's coming over here. <laughs> Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. And then he just comes over and just starts snacking on that tower and just rips it in half. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like, I thought that was sort of like commentary on the media, oh, even sure. from a 1954 perspective. I don't know anything about Japanese media, especially not Japanese media from you know, 25 years before I was alive, but it's, um, Really interesting that they would put that in because it seems intentional. And, you know, I, I like that a lot. I think my favorite scene was maybe the one where, like, the old scientist with the giant mustache was, like, trying to trying to bring up the discussion of, like, should we even be trying to kill Godzilla? And people were, like, shouting him down. Like, his, the younger scientists were, like, yelling at him, like, of course we have to. If we don't, he could destroy us. And he's like, but it's, we're wiping a species off the earth. Like, maybe if we would just leave him alone, he would just leave us alone, you know? And well, I do like the fact that he keeps, it. he keeps saying that Godzilla has this uh, almost supernatural level of radiation resistance. And yeah. he's like, we just had an atomic bomb dropped on us. That's that's something that we could learn a lot about. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Everybody's just like, boo, shut up, old man. Kill it, the giant lizard. It felt, it does feel very real, doesn't it? Like somebody is sitting there going like, look, there are, there are moral reasons that we shouldn't wipe this monster off. There are practical reasons. We don't know if we can do it anyway. So maybe we should think of other options and nobody wants to talk about it. And I, I thought that was... A really interesting thing in this movie, which I didn't remember it being there. I guess it's been a while since I watched this. So I, that, ho that whole discussion was really interesting to me. And I, Again, like the idea that in 1954, these discussions are happening in a giant monster movie is fascinating. I was going to say, I think my other favorite scene has always been uh, them delivering the oxygen destroyer. There's, there's something about that whole interaction of, you know, he's going down and then... Uh, our other main character figures out that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with diving equipment. And he's like, you're not going down there by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like when they're on the boat, like arguing. Yeah. And so that he goes down with him like... and then, and then the whole thing about, you know, him getting them to pull the other guy up and then detonating yeah. the oxygen destroyer and then cutting his safety lines and stuff so that they can't pull him out. Yeah. That's really dark shit. To like the, an on-screen suicide, you know, of a guy killing himself so that his invention won't be used to destroy the future world. It's like that's man, this is a monster movie. Like you know, oh, it's much more than a monster movie. Yeah, it you'll really get is. just a monster movie in other movies. 
coming up yes. this month. It is. It is. It, I mean, I, I don't want to get into a bad place because we're trying to talk about how great this movie is, but it's so depressing that it's like they made such a good movie. And then producers were like, yeah, but if we just use the monster parts, people will leave the theater happy. So let's do that. Let's just make a monster stop everything constantly for the next 50 years of movies and remove all nuance from any of the discussions. But, you know, whatever. This movie's still great. It holds up. And luckily now it's like widely available. I don't know where you guys watched it, but like I, I watched free it access crackle. To, yeah, I watched it. On I watched it HBO Max, but. Uh, I also own the Criterion Blu-ray of it. Yeah. yeah, I watched the Criterion version of it, but I watched it through like the Roku channel up here. It's just available that way now. And you're like, that's yeah. pretty good, you know. That's the same one that's on HBO Max. It opens with the Criterion. Logo. Yeah, I think they yeah, because I watched it through, through to the end too, and it because it's Criterion, they have to get all like arrogant about it and tell you how they remade it. And, <laughs> brag brag about how they restored the soundtrack and shit and you're like well that was just your job calm down you're not getting a tip i was trying to remember if the american version's on that disc too but i forgot to look before we started i'm, I'm all i'm almost curious after re-watching this to re-watch the american version because it has been so long i think i'm trying to think when this version became available but when it did i immediately it was like the early 2000s i believe it was a long time before it became yeah. available. When it did, it was like, yeah, that's, that's the, the first time I watched it. I'm like, why would I ever go back? The, the weird irony of the situation is it used to be the Americanized one was the only one you could get a hold of. But since this one became yeah. available, it's really, really hard to find the Americanized version. Is it really? Okay. I haven't tried. So, I mean, I'm sure it exists, but Criterion sure as fuck ain't cleaning up the American print. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. fuck that shit. Huh. That's yeah. I'm, I don't know. Maybe if maybe if a listener accidentally watched the American version, they can uh, send us some feedback and let us know what it was like. Because I, uh, I'm fl- I'm flabbergasted by this movie when I watch it, and it's, it's I don't know why I, I sort of in my head I go back to it's just a giant monster, and then every time I watch the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, right. It's so much more, and it's so much better than that, and it. It's it's not even really a horror movie, despite the fact that it's, you know, about a giant monster attacking villages. You know what the weird thing is, though, is I bet we say that now, but I bet watching it in context. So watching it in the frame of 1950s people who who lived through all of the shit that it's referencing, I bet it was way fucking like not oh. not like ah scary but like one of those you leave the theater feeling dirty i think so i think it was probably legit scary too those attack scenes right like you have to understand that like audiences were less sophisticated back then they didn't have that are like for us we use terms like oh yeah the modeling work is really good and the use of miniatures in this scene was great that they didn't know any of that back then right like it just and that's why movies have had to get more and more complicated over the years is as audiences learn more, they have to do more to shock you. Right. So if you go back and watch like the original, like vampire movies and werewolf movies, it's like just a guy sneaking up behind somebody and grabbing their neck. And that's enough to scare people. Now you kind of can't do that. Although the funny, the funny thing is I almost wish they would just go back to this kind of stuff. Cause it still works. I mean, it's all still effective. The, my, my only special effects thing that I would look at this movie and be like, 
they could have done better is the spines on the Godzilla costume. Whenever he turns, they wobble. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's literally the only complaint. They should have made those slightly more rigid. Well, and that's the and thing. What a petty like, small thing that is. Yeah. In, in modern filmmaking, they can go in and fix shit like that with CGI, right? Edit that, edit that wobble out. So, uh, if you do buy the, uh, Criterion Blu-ray it does have the American version, yeah, which has also been restored. And is, without oh, no shit, Godzilla King of the Monsters, eighteen fifty-six. Yeah. So why did why did they call it King of the Monsters when it wasn't he the only monster in the movie? Yeah, I don't know. Didn't another monster in the American version? Well, well unless, why unless did you they count Raymond? Why, Burr a monster. I mean, why did they call King Kong King? Because he was big. They were just like, hey, big, let's call it King. Speaking of which, have you guys seen the trailer for uh, Beast? No. Idris Idris Elba versus a man-eating lion in Africa. Oh. Yeah. Is it giant? If it's not giant, you shouldn't have brought it up right now. So It's not. It's not giant, (laughs) but it is the king of the jungle. All right. You got me on a technicality there. Let's go back to talking about Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the problem the problem with talking about this movie is I'm just going to fawn all over it. It's like I said, That's, the the soundtrack it. to it is soundtrack's I, good. Well, not just not just good. It's like fucking so on point, like on point on uh, some other fucking level. Of just the uh, the theme of him coming out of the water where it's all uh, deep bass horns, you know, it's all tubas and shit. It's it's just fucking brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, no no notes. You're right. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, like they they nail it. I love the sound effects of Godzilla too. Like on top of the separate from the score, the sound effects are really good. So, sound effects um, that were so good. That whenever they've made movies in later years, they have to keep using the sound bite from the original because nobody can recreate it and make it sound better. Yeah, like that's. I mean, that says more about it than we ever could because the people in charge of the money are doing that. So. Um, I just. I'm trying to think of like what else to say about it. As far as I, I mean, I'd love to come up with a second criticism of it because that—that'd be really. If I could find something to nitpick, that would make me happy. But I can't. Like it's well, even stuff that you see it seems like it would be annoying, like the love story and stuff in it. Like, isn't annoying. Like, yeah, it it does not a big enough factor that it. Yeah, it's not a big enough factor that it, it ruins anything else. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, like they don't they don't get caught up in those side stories. It's enough to humanize the characters because none of the characters really get a lot of screen time because there's just so many, um, which is partly why we're none of us know any of the names. Um, but it, little things like that help us humanize the characters, help us understand who they are kind of thing so that we can appreciate the sacrifices they make to defeat Godzilla. And you're just like, again, brilliant filmmaking really hard to find that 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 line of making us care about the characters a little bit without making us roll our eyes at a love story that's inserted in our monster movie right the movie's just so good if nobody's has gone back to watch the rewatch the original like we say the original original not the 
Raymond Burr version. Yeah, uh, you definitely should because it's amazing and still holds up very well. Yes, subtitles. Yes, black and white. I understand that there's people who have issues with that, but I would say even if you're one of those, even if you're one of those people, this is like the exception. Like this is, this is the old foreign film that I think is so good that you're going to want to like break your own rule of, I don't read movies or whatever. Right. Well, and I, I, there is no bad audience for this movie either. I would like, this is the type of movie that I would have no problem showing this to a young child. I mean, obviously they would be annoyed and they wouldn't read the subtitles, but I don't think they would care. Yeah. But you could also show this to a fully mature uh, fan of cinema and they would like it too. So it kind of works for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Like the only thing is like, if you want to show it to somebody younger is make sure they're old enough that they'll sit through the subtitles. Cause you know, right. Even even pretentious young me wouldn't have read subtitles when I was a kid. So, yeah, but Monster Smashy Smashy probably wouldn't have cared. Yeah, yeah, it does take a little while to get to the Smashy Smashy. Though. Yeah, I do think like yeah, like if if you showed this to like a five or six year old, that they would probably get bored in that first half. I think they would get legitimately scared during the smashing parts. Good, <laughs> little little motherfuckers. Uh, yeah, yeah. All praise. If you, if you have not seen it, I just I'm confused. Please go, please go watch it. I mean, I guess it's a pretty minimal audience of people who sit around listening to podcasts where three guys just give their opinions on old movies that haven't seen Godzilla. But <laughs> it is true. possible that there's people who have only seen the Americanized version. And again, or know the super goofy, campy Godzilla movies. Which this is not. Yeah, I mean, there's. This is like the equivalent of like the Rambo movies. Like yeah. First Blood is not Rambo three. It's it's a lot different yeah. and a lot more nuanced. Yeah, so I'm sure a, that's the filmmakers weird, would love to know that they're being compared to Rambo. Yeah. There is a, a weird roller coaster of seriousness that happens in Godzilla movies that varies widely from film to film. Yeah, well, so we're finding out, aren't we? Uh, all guys, right. You guys aren't sitting through a lot of Godzilla this month. No. No. I was kind of surprised I, when I looked I, at the I list. I think only two, only two appearances of Godzilla. I haven't looked at the list. <laughs> Don't want to get yourself mad for the entire month? No. I just figured like I, I can't I, do anything I, about it now. Like I said, I, I curated this for you, Doug. Just for it's, you, it's Doug. Nice, it's a nice spread of experiences. It's not just all... Godzilla smashy smashy. Well, right. speaking of which, Noah, why don't you uh, <laughs> tell us about Gamera, Guardian of the Universe? Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. So this was the 90s reimagining of Gamera. Uh, some folks find a mysterious uh, atoll out in the ocean that appears to be floating in a circle around the ocean. Uh, we get into a whole bunch of nonsense about Atlantis. They get to the atoll, and the atoll's covered in strange uh, orichalca metal things, including a uh, obelisk with some weird writing on it and shit, uh, during which they release Gamera, the giant rocket butt turtle, who who sets forth uh, going about doing things, and everybody's like, oh no, giant monster. 
Meanwhile, on another island, uh, some googly-eyed giant birds are eating people and taking big shits on a little Japanese town. So that's so that's no good. Uh, there are some evil scientisty people who either A, want to kill the birds because the birds are murdering people, or B, want to capture the birds because they're rare and they think they can make a bunch of money off of them. Which, of course, they do. Uh, and then, there, of course, there is the never-ending misunderstanding of Gamera. turns out to be the good guy super weapon built by the Atlanteans to fight the evil giant birds who are also super weapons built by the Atlanteans. And the military keeps attacking the wrong one because they're really fucking dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the difference is, so once again, we have nuanced uh, Godzilla versus Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which is Dai Kaiju reimagined as a superhero movie. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and you know what? I love kaijus and I love superhero movies, so this was pretty great. <laughs> I knew as I watched this, I'm thinking no one loves this movie. <laughs> I watched it. I, I did watch this one dubbed, and uh, let's just get that out of the way. The, the dubbed acting, unacceptable. Like, just yeah, unacceptable. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I was not about to read this movie about a giant flying turtle. I did not know Gamera was a giant flying turtle until like a minute before I started watching this. Excuse, excuse <laughs> me, sir. Rocket assed giant flying turtle. <laughs> you can't forget about Correct. Gamera's rocket ass. I will do my best not to. <laughs> and as soon as this conversation's over, I will start trying to block it out. But. <laughs> Yes. Um, Re- the, were you yeah, aware the, that this is a reboot of an earlier franchise? Um, I, I've not seen the original. I'm assuming different plot-wise. This trend yeah. of having so this the, trend of having the original, two kaiju's show up. The mm-hmm. the original, much like uh, Godzilla, there is a Japanese version, and then there is a weird Americanized version where they added another R. Yeah. So, so instead of Gamera, it's Gamera. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying there was yeah. like 60s movies, and then this was the reboot. Like we're gonna make basically yeah. a new franchise and make the bad guy the good guy. And they did. They made several sequels to this as well. But um, yeah, in my like, I'm guessing the 60s version. There's none of this. There's two different kaiju's, and it turns out the one we thought was bad is really the hero here to save us. Yeah, it's, no, 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 it's pretty close to that. Is it there? Okay. It's, right. This is this is actually a pretty faithful readaptation in a lot of ways. I mean, even down to the fact that so Gamera can use his magical butt rockets to spin and basically turn into a UFO. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that was from the, from the original. Yeah, yeah, the original movie. At first, they keep seeing a UFO, and it turns out to be a rocket butt turtle spinning really fast, flying through the air. Hey guys, we found the UFO. Anybody want to guess what it was? Aliens? Yep, flying turtle with rockets in his butt. Yeah, yeah it's got rockets in his ass. Did do we think Stephen King was high as fuck and saw that movie, and that's how the whole thing at the end of it came from? <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> maybe all right that's all conjecture we we can't know um anyway so let's talk about this movie how oh, about tell that us what giant about how, how about that giant pile of bird shit because <laughs> 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 
It was vomit inducing. It's so great. Oh, oh my God. When those glasses bad. are like sliding down it, I was like, oh man, <laughs> they did a really good job of emulating what a giant pile of bird shit would actually look like. Oh, fuck. It's, it's so weird though, that those things are clearly not birds, but they decided they're like, they're like pterodactyls, right. but they're like, but the one really bird element we'll give them is their shit. We want to make sure that we capture that. I, well, I find, so, so there's this great juxtaposition of, so the giant bird at the, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but at the, at the end of the movie, the, the giant evil bird looks legitimately yeah. scary with the fangs and he's kind of beefy and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But man, the first time you get a good look at one is whenever they're in that helicopter and it flies up next to him and it's just straight up got googly eyes on it. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> I actually, in the early parts of this movie, I actually paused it to check if it was made for Japanese television. Cause that's what I thought we were watching. <laughs> And it was released in theaters in Japan, but it was produced by a television company partially. So I was getting ready to say you thought you thought it was like Zygu Ranger or something. Yes, that's what I thought we were dealing with. with I mean, at that point, we hadn't really seen Gamera. We'd seen googly eyed giant birds that just those you're the one at the end is OK. The ones early in the film really do just kind of like like a homemade version of power rangers that's what the bad birds would look like <laughs> i thought the uh the effects for gamera were pretty amazing though. especially for 1995 right right he looks real solid and there's there's some... uh definitely some points where you can see the suit when the guy's like moving i was watching on my phone yeah and there's definitely okay. there's definitely a couple moments where it's very 90s cgi yeah but but i really but I don't forgive that I, yeah i don't even think it's i don't even think it's bad for 90s it's it's pretty solid for 90s cgi yeah. you know i i don't think there's much negative to say about the special effects in the movie <laughs> what uh, what would you like to say negative about it because i personally i think this movie is exactly what i want out of a goofy <laughs> giant monster superhero movie it's kind of fun it moves along at a pretty good pace there's always yeah. shit going on well i guess my biggest complaint isn't the giant monster stuff um it's i mean it really it's it's the little girl and the fucking finding that metal thing that somehow gives her a connection to Gamera and all that bullshit babbling about Atlantis. And I'm just like, I don't want to watch any of that. <laughs> um, just like, like, why is there a plot line in this where the girl holds onto that one piece of metal and now she's connected to Gamera and she can like, she literally gets cut when he gets cut and stuff, but she's feeding him strength. So he has the power to defeat the evil bird and you're like, what are you talking about? That's because he's Gamera, friend of children. But there were also like a whole bunch of those little metal things all over him when they found him in the ocean. So does that mean right. if like just a shit ton of kids had all picked him up? Well, I think I, that? I think the idea is supposed to be it is supposed to be a ton of people sharing the burden of being connected to him. And instead you have one little girl having to. All right. All right. Well, they. It, an interesting thing to do would have been little things lost trying in, to do lost in translation. Okay. I, yeah. I don't believe that it's lost in translation. I believe that they never said it in the film. 
because they, Cause the, they translated the, every word. There weren't just scenes where people were talking and they didn't translate it. So, because in the original one, from what I've read, uh, and Noah can correct me, he's uh, Gamera supposed to be the defender of children or something. Right? Yeah, he's Gamera, friend of children. Well, they don't they don't say that in this movie. So nope, they should sure say don't. that in this movie if they want. Because <laughs> right? it's that's, it that's just goes the, that's basically bad. I'll will t- take it a step further. The movie'd be better if you didn't have that because that little girl is kind of annoying. I agree. And... She is she's the little kid from Iron Man three. All right, she yeah. didn't need to be there. All right, she's so, I don't all, think she's as that, bad as uh, that annoying kid that they're like carrying across that bridge and they keep having to stop. That kid's crying the whole time. I'm like fuck that kid, just throw him overboard. Yeah, like, you guys are gonna die. You better eat that kid. <laughs> I I feel the problem is we're discussing which kid is the most annoying and we're not sure. So that tells me that they're both too annoying. That's what I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like a, a lot of the human stuff. I just was like, I don't care. I thought it was like super weird when they just start like, well, you're going to have to catch these birds and that I don't, I don't know anybody's name again, but like the, the, the girl scientist, she was like, I, I can't catch the birds. And there's like, you're the only one here qualified, so you're doing it. That's an order from the government. They kept saying that, too, which I think is probably a translation issue. They just kept referring to the government as if there's just a guy whose name is the government, and he gives out orders. Well, there is um, a weird... So that's that's another Japanese thing, and they kind of deal with it in Godzilla a little bit, too. So con- contrary to what people think, Japan does kind of have a military. It's, it's the yeah. defense force. But originally, after the end of World War II, they weren't ever supposed to have an actual military. I was wondering about that, because I know Germany was forbidden from building up a military after World War II for a while. Right, right. And and Japan was, too. And so Japan did the whole defense force thing. And I can't there's there are certain limitations like uh, whenever they keep talking about. I think it's I think it's mostly in. Gamera, where they keep saying they're not authorized to do it, which is a thing. Like the so the Japanese yeah. Defense Force cannot perform any military action without full authorization of con uh, Congress. Unlike well, yeah, some other countries, they do they do actually mention that it, they're there as a defense system and can't um, they can't actually attack even even though it's a giant turtle with rockets in its ass they still can't attack it because that would be in like a an aggressive move rather than a defensive move um, right which i i have no idea if that's like legally accurate or not but i i don't know about that but it, it does feed into in japanese movies there is kind of a tension and always has been of whether or not having the defense force is just a good idea in general because most Japanese people at the end of the war were kind of in favor of not having a military anymore just because of once again, war crimes, lots and lots of war crimes, which I don't think the average Japanese citizen felt was an accurate representation of who they were. I accept that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way well, I like the way you worded it, like very cautiously. Right. Well, I don't want to insult people. I actually, yeah, I kind of respect Japan's mild anti-military attitude that they have. 
that even yeah. though they have a fairly mild military, they're still like, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of weird, though, watching Gamera. Um, a lot of the talk feels like it's more like they're trying to recreate Godzilla than it is like they're trying to comment on modern society because it is the 90s and they're still referencing shit from the 40s and 50s. And you're like, I, I mean, I get that obviously a lot of the cultural impact of World War II is stronger in places where it was actually fought, but it still feels like people are bringing it up a lot. Well, considering I was going to say it. this came out of this, this reboot of Gamera came out of a boom that happened in the 90s. There was kind of a resurgence in the popularity of uh, Godzilla movies that went along with the popularity of like Super Sentai shows and Hmm. other various Ultraman, that that kind of shit. Just kind of, I don't know. It was part of a trend. And luckily, that trend lent, lent us to the 1998 Godzilla remake that we all love. And no one needs to say anything else about it. <laughs> I almost was going to tell you we started like and to talk about the 1998 Godzilla. Duck. Decided not to go out with that oh. joke though and not hurt your feelings. I would have. I would have not. I, if I honestly, I don't know if I'd rewatch that movie if you guys put it on the list. I just show up with an excuse. <laughs> I have. I only saw it in theaters. Maybe it's better than I remember, but I'm pretty sure it's not. It is not. Yeah. It's like this is time I ever watched it too. Is in theaters. The the greatest contribution that movie gave to anything was I'm trying to remember which movie it was, but it was one of the like destroy all monsters style things where. You know, a million monsters fight. Final they, Wars. Final Wars, yeah. And they bring in, quote fingers, Zilla, which is the Godzilla from that movie. And it just promptly just gets fucking curb stomped to death. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, Doug, I don't think we've heard if you actually enjoyed this movie or not. Um, I'm kind of on the fence on it. I, it. I enjoyed it more than I anticipated enjoying it, I'll tell you that. Um like I say, I got really bored when people were talking and annoyed by the terrible dub acting, but not interested enough to switch over to the <laughs> subtitled version. Um, yeah, so all that, work, so. yeah, like all that for me was like, no, but I got to admit, like the giant kaiju stuff, like that fight at the end really won me over. Um, yeah. The big fight between the giant bird and the giant turtle yeah, that can shoot yeah. fire out of its mouth and rockets out of its ass. Um, I, I like I really I really got into that fight. I was really I thought it was a lot of fun. And they're like fighting on that oil refinery so there's explosions everywhere and shit. Like the that fucking, was cool. Uh, the fucking turtle grabs the uh the bird in its mouth and like just shoots it out into space and then they both fall. And then the bird's like, fuck this yeah. and uses its laser squawk to like cut its own leg off. Yeah. Yeah, that shit was fun. Like, yeah. I mean, not that, just that, shoots that it whole fight space. was a blast. It's it's basically a belly to belly suplex from orbit. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah it's dope. <laughs> no, yeah, I all that stuff was fun, but then I'm still struggling with the fact that they're like the ancient Atlanteans made this. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? They made a giant turtle. Is it supposed to be a robot? Is it like what is going on? I don't understand. And like, oh, yeah. Atlantis is just the MacGuffin. You just so, so, yeah, all that shit out of there. That shit. I would, I would seriously consider though, like if there was like 
if I was just playing on YouTube and I found the clip of that final fight, I might watch it again. Like all that's fun. The way that Gamera shoots those like balls of fire. That's fun as hell. When he blows up that one bird, it was like a really, I put a smile (laughs) on my face. He just shoots a fireball at it, hits it. It just fucking explodes. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. I'm on the turtle side now. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I I kind of enjoyed the, the, uh, the scene where they tried to catch all the birds by just tricking him into going in the baseball stadium felt so like nineties <laughs> Japanese stereotypical culture to me where I'm like, where's uh, uh fucking Tom Selleck playing this character from yeah. that movie. <laughs> Whatever it was. Mr. Baseball. It was called or Mr. Shit. Baseball. Yeah. yeah. It's but like, yeah, it, you know, it'd be like if this movie was set in Australia and all of a sudden like Crocodile Dundee showed up. It's pretty much what that baseball stadium looked like to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked I thought there was a lot of cool stuff. Like, uh, yeah, when they uh, when because they get all the birds in the baseball stadium and they can't, I don't know. Are we to understand the roof started malfunctioning or. They were just too stupid and started their plan too early and some of the birds flew out. Yeah, she specifically says, okay, now we have to wait for the roof to fully close before we do anything. And the military are like, shoot! (laughs) (laughs) It's coming right for us. Yeah. And uh, fucking Gamera shows up and he's like, oh, fuck these birds. He just starts destroying the baseball stadium. But I like, like the helicopter. They got a news helicopter flying around it. And you see like them shooting it with the camera and the cameras in black and white, which I thought was a fun nod to the, you know, cause the original movie was in black and white and there was just all kinds of fun. Like, I don't know. I just felt like this movie was a lot of fun, especially when Gamera was on screen. Uh, yeah. All the Atlantis and annoying girl stuff and that stuff was, I could do without, but I, f- I feel like the rest of it saved it enough that I was happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just the unnecessary. There's there's a level of unnecessary MacGuffin, but that that tends to be rife in the genre. You know, like God, Godzilla, yeah. they do the yeah. whole fucking Hollow Earth thing all the time to explain shit. Where do all these monsters come from? Hollow Earth or oh, space? Okay. Air comes from space. Or like a giant robot. Yeah, giant robot. Yeah. Somebody just built a giant robot. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with me. It would just be either have a good explanation for where Gamera comes from or have no explanation. Just yeah. a bad one makes the movie worse. Or just uh, use the Pacific Rim uh, explanation, which is, uh, hey, guess what? Giant uh, monsters started showing up, so we build giant robots to fight them. And that's pretty much like the only backstory you really need. Yeah, I could have I would have been fine with this if we're just like, we never found out who Gamera was. But I had a problem with them saying the Atlanteans built them. And then not explaining, well, like, what did they genetically engineer him? Is he a robot? What do you mean they built him? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Have you seen the sequels, Noah? Is this part of it? Uh, I can't. I, you know what? I don't remember. Uh, the problem is, I've seen, I've seen so many of these movies, and they're, uh, I, I'll put it this way: there, there are a lot of movies that are not dissimilar to this movie, so they kind of all bleed together. Sure. Because I'm mildly interested in watching the other ones, just as well, a maybe, completionist. Maybe next Kai July, I'll have to throw some more camera in. 
Just this is not an annual tradition. This Too late. <laughs> the worm hath spoken. Um, all right, anything else about camera before we move on? Like I said, a giant kaiju movie plus superhero movie uh, with a healthy dose of Power Rangers level cheese. Yeah. If that sounds appealing to you, you should fucking watch some Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Yeah, like I'd, I'd say watch it if you just are doing something else and can just look up when big monsters are on the screen. <laughs> Specifically if they're fighting each other. Those are the best moments of this movie by a long shot. Um, yeah, maybe do watch the, watch the dubbed version so you don't have to hear all the stupid dialogue. That might be helpful. So you don't have to hear all the stupid dialogue? I think you meant the subbed version. Yeah. What did I say? The dubbed version. You broke my brain. I don't understand anymore. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right. Well, we do have some feedback as we were just mentioning, uh, which I may or may not cut out, but we'll see. Uh, so Nathan Austin uh, emailed us. Um, said some time ago you put out a call to your five listeners for movie suggestions for the show. I don't know why we would do such a thing because we obviously ignore those when they come in. So well, know. but we, yeah, it, it, we 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 tend to add them to the list, and then we just ignore the list for long periods of time. There is that too. Somebody sent us a whole alternate list, and we've ignored that entire list almost on purpose because we're we're horrible was, podcasters. Yeah, well, I did like the shade he threw at us there with the five listeners comment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can't argue with that. that Facts. If, yes, know that if, if you were better at this, you'd have more listeners, right? right? Yeah, yeah. We, we know. Yeah, facts are facts. Can't argue that. Uh, it says, thanks for covering my suggested movie, uh, Jacob's Ladder. It's one of the few films that really got under my skin and unnerved me watching it as an adult. Um, I don't remember him sending this in. I think I just put this movie on the list because I wanted to rewatch it. So it's a, that's a happy we did it. We did it because Nathan suggested it, and we're nice to our listeners, oh. except, except Tracy, apparently. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's what good podcasters would say. Anyways. Uh, the film has been visually influential, such as the images of the blurred rapid head shaking, and also, have, and also the under-the-gurney spinning wheel are images I've noticed paid homage to in several movies and TV shows since its release. That is true. Uh, the look and feel of several video games, of course, seem inspired from Jacob's Ladder. I heard some of the uh, uh, Silent Hill stuff was inspired from it. Uh, fair criticism of the movie is the testing drugs on Soldier's subplot. It can be argued it doesn't really make sense of how Jacob puts together the whole conspiracy when he's fighting for his life. Perhaps the film would be even stronger if that subplot had been cut out. Personally, I can overlook it because all the performances are excellent. Excellent. Several scenes are effective, are effectively atmospheric and unsettling, and it contains a haunting score. Keep up the great show, Nate from Minnesota. Yeah, we, um, I think, I haven't listened to our conversation with Jacob's Ladder yet, but 
I think we kind of just skipped over how visually stunning the movie is because we got caught up in our discussion about what it meant and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he's definitely right that it's been influential. And I think it actually is influential on the cell where I think like, which we discussed right. like right after, because there is that, that head shaking scene is the very similar to the, like the blur thing that, sh- that we see Jennifer Lopez moving around in the, the dream world. And it's like, Oh yeah, he's right. Like that, that's a direct connection between these two movies. And we didn't pick up on it because we were caught up in other things. So, Good to uh, call so, us out on that. Yeah, totally. So then Noah responded, you didn't answer the important question. Hallucination while dying or a literal state of purgatory? Well, only, uh, only wants feedback if it's a direct answer to his question, by the way. <laughs> correct. The rest of us are like, oh, that's interesting that he brought up a point that we missed in our discussion. And Noah's answer, like, no, I asked a question. If you're going to send answer, feedback, you answer my fucking question. Answer, answer the goddamn question, sir. <laughs> uh, so Nathan did respond and said, LOL, you bring up a good point that the testing drugs on soldiers leaves it open that Jacob is hallucinating the events in the movie, thus making it an important subplot of the film. Personally, I feel if Jacob is just hallucinating the whole time, it kind of cheapens cheapens the film. So I am on team literal state of purgatory. Ooh, watching yeah. Jacob's watching Jacob's powerful and terrifying journey of just letting go is way more th- thematically satisfying for me. Your question also reminded me of another reason I really appreciate this fil- appreciate this film, which is it doesn't feel the need to definitely spell out what happened and leave it to the viewer to come to their own conclusion. Agreed. Agree. I still don't uh, think it's a literal state of purgatory, but um, I'm sorry, you've been outvoted. <laughs> unfortunately only one of the five listeners sent in his answer so he's been voted off the island uh, then uh, after I posted the episode uh, today Nathan says it warmed my heart all three hosts seem to appreciate their Jacob's Ladder rewatch uh, which was my listener request to answer your question from the podcast, Kyle Gass was one of the neighbors who comes into the bathroom. They're trying to reduce uh, Jacob's body temperature, uh, which I apparently completely missed. And I do remember us talking about it on the show, but it's like, was Kyle Gass in this movie? Um, another weird cameo in the film is well-known comedian Lewis Black has about three seconds of screen time as Jacob's doctor, which we also didn't talk about because, again, we were caught up in talking about whatever. I forget to mention that Lewis Black was in this movie because I was intentionally meeting to bring that up, but I guess I didn't. Uh, I think we forgot. I don't know. You have to re-listen and tell us, Doug. We'll see. I don't know. I usually re-listen when I work, and I'm not working until September now. So. I know. I was going to ask you, what the fuck is up with that? You don't have to go back to work till September? That's correct. It's more you... fun to like play with my kid and go swimming and stuff in the summer than it is to work, so I choose to do that. How does that fucking work? You just tell them I'm not coming. My work in has a really September? good. My work has a really good system where you can book the time off, and what they do is they reduce your pay year round to offset the fact that you're not getting paid for the time that you've booked off and where you want. What so, the fuck? So I get a slightly reduced paycheck all year long, and I just don't work in the summer. Damn it! This is only the second year in a row I've done it. Last year's kind of got a little messed up, so I'm hoping this year works out perfect. Ah, fucking Canada. 
Um, we did get another semi piece of feedback and I posted we that did. we were doing, uh, Kai July also in the Facebook group, the guy named Kevin, uh, Deerendorf said, Oh snap. I actually wrote a book on the alternative Kaiju flicks. So I'm kind I'm keen to hear y'all take on the genre. Nice. So he needs to respond with what his book title Disappointed. is. So we can plug it. Yeah, definitely. Send in your book title and let us know so that we can forget next week to read it out loud. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, well, thanks, everybody. We're not used to having feedback. Us by now, huh? look, at, look at us engaging with the populace. It feels weird. And no, normally, we're sitting here in our elitist podcasting tower. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. Anybody watch anything since last week? I actually watched things. Oh, Jesus. Been a while. All right. Uh, I watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe. And it was pretty fucking great. I had a really good time with it. I was I was expecting something a little more on the uh, the level of Beavis and Butthead do America, but instead it's a little more low key than that, and it's more like a hour and a half long random Beavis and Butthead episode, which is still pretty great. They. They basically uh, screw their way up into being sent to space camp. And then they become obsessed with a satellite loading device, which looks suspiciously like a penis going into a butthole. Uh, And they play with it for like 18 hours straight. And the people at NASA are so impressed with how accurately they can do it for such a long period of time that they decide to actually send them to space to do said thing, which they then immediately fuck up and are jettisoned into space and go into a black hole and end up time traveling to the far off future of 2022. Of course. And the government and okay. the uh, the other uh, the astronaut who basically jettisoned them into space, who is convinced that now her murder victims have come back to discredit her because she's a governor now. So everybody's trying to kill them and an alternate reality version of them that looks suspiciously like the watcher from (laughs) Marvel comics keeps showing up and telling them that if they don't go through a portal, that the whole timeline is going to be destroyed. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I've been seeing people on Facebook going crazy for this. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it's, it's what you expect if you like Beavis and Butthead. I mean, <laughs> and I'm not like actively avoiding it, but I'm just like, oh yeah, maybe I'll watch that at some point. There are people who are just like, oh my god, this is their new favorite thing in the entire world. Well, I mean, at, at one point, Beavis does go to prison, hopped up on, uh, gets hopped up on speed, and then becomes Cornholio and starts a prisoner. <laughs> I mean, obviously. It's it's pretty pretty great. As you do. But yeah, uh, I recommend it. And then today I went and watched uh, The Black Phone. Oh, yeah. Haven't gone yet. And so it's it's too slow is probably the big negative. Which means it's probably it's probably perfectly paced. No, I don't. I don't think so. It just takes. I don't trust you. It takes too long to get going. Especially when you know what's like gonna happen from the beginning, so there's no excuse to not get straight to it. And then I, 
So for the most part, I liked it. Like Ethan Hawke's performance is fucking pretty on point. Although there should have been way more of him in the movie than there was. Uh, and my, I think the biggest negative I have is there's two supernatural things happening in this movie. <laughs> and I feel like that's completely fucking unnecessary. It's just kind of, okay. it's real weird. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I don't know if explaining what they are as spoilers or not. Because, I mean, one of them, I think everybody already knows what it is. Yeah, for the benefit, don't uh, don't spoil it. Yeah, so I'm not going to spoil it. So the, the main plot is one supernatural thing. And then there's a side plot that's a, a completely separate supernatural thing. And like I said, that's just fucking, that is a weird, unnecessary fucking thing. And it it's almost distracting. Because the main conceit of the movie is a really interesting idea and plot to be explored. And instead, we waste a shit ton of time with a secondary character who's on a separate supernatural adventure, which is weird. I don't I don't fucking get that. But besides that, I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's just a weird it's just got a weird side plot to it that I was like, man, I don't get it. It's worth it's worth it just to watch Ethan Hawke being a creepy psycho. Of course. It's weird that Ethan Hawke is such a good actor because I don't feel like everyone knew that, but lately he's all of a sudden just being uh, being given these roles where he gets to sh- to shine. You know, did we take him, did well, we take him for granted, and now he's kind of doing a lot. And we're like, oh yeah, that's right, he is a good actor. Well, I think it's one of those things that maybe he just made all of his money, and now he's at that point where he's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Kind of like Elijah Wood. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? I love Elijah Wood. Yeah. Because early, early Elijah Wood, I couldn't have given a fuck about. But like post uh, Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood, I fucking love. <laughs> Just because he's like, I don't give a shit. This script's funny. I'm doing this shit. Or I'm going to make a heard, weird like horror movie. With uh, with Ethan Hawke, I heard that like how he got into like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like running into Oscar Isaac in like a coffee shop. And he's like, okay. Like, it's just like that simple. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, yeah. all right. It's probably one of those, like, we could get Ethan Hawke. And everybody's like, no, he's a serious actor. He would never do these movies. So nobody asked him. And then Oscar Isaac's like, hey, you want to come be in this thing with me? And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I guess. Why not, right? Sure. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's just the two things I watched. Made it sound like you had a lot more. Yeah. I was thinking for a second I watched something else, but I forgot what it was. What about you, Doug? Um, I got a couple things. Nothing too exciting. Uh, I rewatched Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, which I need to rewatch I that, watch that more often. It's like it's so good, and I should have watched it a lot longer. And it's just performance from Robert England in that movie is just something special. What he does there, where it just turns in this like ridiculous, over the top comedic performance in this like, and you're just like, I can't. I don't understand why this like famous actor is doing the things he's doing in this low budget movie. But like at one point he's like when he throws up on like the chalkboard in the classroom where he's the teacher and starts wiping it up with his hand. And I'm like, you're Robert England, man. You don't need to be doing this, but he certainly dedicates himself to the role and it's amazing. And it's just, it's such a fun movie. And there's a ton of like tributes to like other horror comedies from the past, obviously. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a blast. Everybody should watch it. 
if you're not laughing like two minutes in, you're there's something wrong with you on an emotional level, and you should seek assistance because it's just. Um, but I yeah, think this, you know, that's one I never bought for some reason. Like every time I watched it, I loved it, and like you said, I should be watching it more. I just never bought it yeah. for some reason. I did own it, so now it's available somewhere for free. I can't remember where I watch these things anymore. I just type them into like, because the beauty of like Roku devices is you can search the title of a movie and it'll pop up the services on the side that it's on. So if you have one of those services, you just click on it and it brings you right to that movie on that service. But now I forget even where I watch things. So I can't, oh, can't even recommend it. It's on, it's on voodoo for four bucks. Oh, to like buy it. So I'm buying it right now. It's only an SD though. That's bullshit. It's fine. It's all practical all right. effects. You don't want to get it too high def and then find the zippers and the suits and shit. It's now in my uh, digital library, so I can watch it. All right. Now we so, will uh, wait until <laughs> next week when you'll be able to praise it, or you'll yeah. never see it again and it'll just sit there. I've uh, you'll show up cor- in your movie movies anywhere, and I'll watch it again. I've corrected that wrong. I now have bought it, so. Um, what else did I watch? I watched a movie called Suburbia, but not the one we've already talked about on this podcast. It's like a Richard Linklater film. Do you guys know this one? It's really yeah. one of his lesser known ones. That's based. It's on, actually pretty uh, good. Based on a stage play. Oh, is it which, okay? Which makes perfect sense when you watch it. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. This yeah, seems yeah, like it, a play. The, the movie is very much set in like mostly in one location. Um. And it's just, it's a Richard Linklater film. So, in a shocking turn of events, it's like disaffected youth. You know, movie takes place all in one night. And they're mostly just sitting around talking and trying to decide what to do with their lives. But uh, I don't know. It's, I think mainly it's like the cast is really good. The comic relief guy is Steve Zahn, who's good and suits the role. And Giovanni Rabisi is in it. He gives a really good performance. Even like, uh, Name Nikki Cat, I think is his name, and I really only know him from Richard Linklater stuff, but he's <laughs> he's actually quite good. And yeah, he it, you know he's cast perfectly as the sort of like angry guy in the background. Um, the the plot line is pretty cheesy. It's like the one guy from their like high school time that actually got out of town and went and made it big is as a rock star is like coming back to town that night and meets up with them. And it causes the rest of them to like contemplate their lives a little more, but it's a pretty easy going film. It's, I actually got to say, I enjoyed it. It was if you're into that type of film. It's not dazed and confused. It's not of that quality, but it's the same kind of idea and it's pretty good. Yeah. It's like a much tamer dazed and confused. Like it's yeah. not quite as like, Hardy Hardy kind of movie, which works yeah. in Days Confused, would not work in this movie. So it's a lot more subdued. Yeah. Um, and you forgot well, to mention Park, Parker Posey, of course. Independent film from the early 2000s. She's going to be in it. Um, <laughs> from 1996. Yeah. Is that one it's from? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think this was his. I think this is his like direct follow up to Days Confused. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen it, it for a long to... time. I've been wanting to watch it again. Because um, I was telling, I think, Amanda about it. Oh, he did Before Sunrise between 
is confused in this. Yes. Yeah, which I haven't seen that whole series of films, to be totally honest. Ethan Hawke's in them, so it ties into our previous conversation, I think. <laughs> um, anyways, but yeah, no, this one is like, like it's just the people are a little older than Dazed and Confused, so it's necessarily different in the sense that it's not just like people graduating high school and wondering what to do with their lives. It's people who are like in their early 20s and struggling to figure out how to move on and you know, some of them are in college and some of them are wanting to move away, but they keep, you know, you know how it is when you're that age and people are like, Oh, I should move away. And other people are like, why would you want to leave? And it's, I feel it captured that pretty well. And for some reason, because it takes place in the suburbs, they all hang out at this convenience store and it's like, why are you doing that? But people did that back then. So you just go to the convenience store and there'd just be a group of people there. And you're like, I don't know why exactly. Weirdly, stealing ideas from Kevin Smith after Kevin Smith decided he wanted to yeah. make a movie after seeing Slacker. I did. I did think of that when I was watching it. I'm like, so he inspires Kevin Smith, and then like four years later, is ripping off Kevin Smith. It's kind of fun, but <laughs> not not ripping off. That's not fair because it's a very different movie. But it is set at a convenience store. I don't know. If, again, if you're into that kind of movie, I would recommend it. It's held up better than I thought it would. So. Checking out. Let's see if that one's four dollars on Voodoo. Yeah. For some reason, it seems like it was hard to find for a while. I watched it through one of. I think that one I did watch through one of my like library apps because I realized it was coming up on the end of the month and I you get a limited number of borrows. So at the end of the month, I'm always panicking and trying to use them up. No, this one's ten dollars. See if that bad. Ten dollars is a lot. I don't know if I. Especially since you buy more movies than you watch, so. Uh, the only other thing that I watched, I, uh, or I should say I tried to watch was Stranger Things. Uh, I, you've seen it all now, Brian. I have. I don't know. I watched the first of the two new episodes that came available. It was a struggle for me to get through that episode, plain and simple. I, really? Yeah. I, I'm like, it's, first of all, I'm still annoyed that these episodes are an hour and a half long and I know the next one's even longer. But I'm like, there's no real action. Nothing fun is happening. Nobody's saying anything funny. It's all this like fucking melodrama. I feel like a lot of the performances are just not up to it. I don't know why. Um, and it, I don't even blame the actors necessarily because like there's like, is it the Matthew Bodine character that's like the the evil of the two scientists? It just feels so. Like when they want him to be evil, he's like over the top evil. But then like a couple of scenes later, they're having him be try to play more sympathetic. And you're like, no, you have to have a nuanced character. You can't just have him be different in different scenes. That's the whole point. Like, I understand the goal is to have him be, you know, he's the bad guy, but we understood that he still cares about the children or whatever. Okay, great. But you do that through nuance, not through just having him behave differently in different scenes, especially when those scenes are only a few minutes apart. And I, I don't know. It was a struggle not to turn it off for me. And I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure I'll watch that final episode eventually, but I think this show has just it's moved on beyond me. You know, I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm still at, I just, I feel like I'm still like, I still want it to be kids on bikes fighting monsters and they won't let it be that they want it to be something different. And it's like, well, that's okay. I guess but I don't see the final episode, which is shocking for me to be saying it. And I don't understand why it's two and a half hours long. It's inexcusable. 
no matter how much I like it, if I do like it, I'm still going to be annoyed by that. So yeah, I watched uh, both episodes on the same night. And uh, okay, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't honestly could not remember specifically what happened in episode eight. Um, but uh, Amanda fell asleep with like an hour left to go in the last episode. So I did rewatch that last hour yeah. with Amanda and still loved it as much as uh, did the first time I watched it. So maybe, maybe you would enjoy it more. Uh, Cause uh, rethinking it, I guess the episode eight would have been them formulating a plan of what to do. And then see or episode nine would have been like, you know, them sort of enacting it. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe that's a little more uh, enticing to watch over that long of a time. Yeah. And I, I think the length, I think, is probably a major part of the problem because it's like it would be like having two full episodes of lead up to your climax rather than, you know what I mean? Like, because like, every show is going to have that. You've got the big battle coming, so you're going to have the character moments leading up to it. But to have just an hour and 25 minutes or something of those moments with very little fun in, to be had. I'm just like, I don't, I guess at the end of the day, I'm like, if you're going to take yourself this seriously, then you can't get away with having all sorts of monsters and stuff. Cause it's, you know, sure. oh, it works. I don't know for me anyway. Uh, like I'm, it's probably an unpopular opinion what I'm saying right now, but uh, I will point out nice Easter egg for you to look out for in the last episode. Okay. Uh, um, Conan's sword from the Conan movies makes an appearance at some point. That's I'm very curious how they work that in. I won't lie. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what it was until like I looked online afterwards. I'm like, oh shit, that was Conan's sword. Okay. That's oh. intriguing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's it's the sword of Cass, the sword that killed Vecna. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You have to watch it. Right. So, uh, what about you, Brian? What did you watch besides Stranger Things? Uh, guess what? Absolutely nothing. Oh, sweet. I, I did remember the other thing I watched. Yeah, what is it? I, fi- I finally started watching the uh, the new season of Kids in the Hall that came out back in oh, March. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you let us know that you saw Michael McDonald's dick. So Jesus really fucking Christ. Uh, Kevin, Mc- no. Kevin McDonald, sorry. Yeah, not not just Kevin McDonald's dick, but the fact that like they're standing there and then they're like jump up and down. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh no, they're not really gonna. Oh, yep, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, unfortunately, like none of them got in shape for it. That's what I like. They're all just like, well, we're chubby. Right. We're older men now. We're gonna have like body fat on us and stuff. We'll just still show our dicks. It's fine. Well, I just I love the fact that you know. It's one of those things that that could be career ending, but they're all like, we're old and we have money. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, but me, so me and Char were looking for something to watch randomly. And I was like, oh yeah, there's that news. Uh, Kids in the hall. We should watch that. And she goes, oh, I never watched any of the old stuff. And I was like, you know, it's Canadian comedy. So it's, it's ridiculous, but it's, it was usually pretty tame so i can't imagine there's going to be anything awful in it and then the first episode is nothing but dicks 
and then the second or third episode is the Shakespeare thing where there's blood just geysering out of his armholes and intestines falling out of him. And I was like, okay, well, I apologize. And I'll just turn this off because <laughs> that's. <laughs> but again, she went to sleep that night watching an episode of Dateline where somebody beheaded their entire family, I bet. Right. And she right, was right. like, oh, yeah, nice and cozy. Two and a half hours of Edward Kemper talking about fucking his mom's <laughs> neck stump. <laughs> She's got such a weird bipolar thing about all this stuff. Yeah, because like it's not like that kids in the hall scene with the blood gushing out of the guy's armholes is no one believes that that's Shakespeare's real blood in that scene. <laughs> right. Well, the the worst thing about that moment is, of course, you know, she's over on the couch all stressed out because she just can't do gore. And at the same time, that gets so fucking funny. So, like, I'm just about ready to it's, pass it's really out because I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> and I'm sitting here trying to shut it off, fumbling with the remote, just fucking giggling like a psychopath. Have you seen it at all, Brian? No, I haven't started it yet. I need to, though. See that? The skit he's talking about is basically like this guy that wishes his bust of Shakespeare would come to life. And it does, but then it has no arms and legs. and It's, it's just a decapitated head. And so there's blood spewing out where the arms would be. <laughs> yeah, so they start having this nice, calm conversation. And he's like, oh, thank thou for giving me the precious gift of life. Uh, and then he looks over and he's like, hey, wait a minute. What the? And like it just starts geysering. The guy it's, like rubber bands a couple books over his arm stumps to get it to stop bleeding. And then he's like, oh, thank you. Thank God. Wait a minute. And then blood starts pouring out from underneath and like intestines start falling out. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to check it out. I do love me some kids in the hall. It is. It is um, definitely what would happen if they were making this show and they were completely free from censorship. Which is essentially what it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But I'm behind on Ms. Marvel and I'm behind on the boys. So I haven't started jack shit yet. I'm still behind on the boys myself. Yeah. You're. Yeah. I haven't um, watched this it, week's Ms. Marvel yet. Yeah. Amanda, say left, Amanda left for a week and I got behind on everything. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that when everybody's seen it. I have seen that. So talk about it when everybody else has. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so fascinated with every time we see people talking about it, it's just, people throwing fucking piss fits about this show and i'm like but this show's pretty great i don't <laughs> i yeah. just don't understand it i get i get that it's not it's not written for the same audience as some of the other ones like but that's fine those are the yeah whiny fanboys that are not getting what they want so it's piss and moan about it right like, but do you I ever would, think maybe like the Muslim girl wants something too that she can watch and feel good about? So why don't you just shut well, the fuck up? Except I've also seen psycho stuff about that too, where people are saying my family's Palestinian and in fucking uh or not Palestinian, Pakistani. My family's Pakistani, and uh, you know, not all of our families are like that. And it's like, but you just said not all, acknowledging that it is a thing. <laughs> For certain yeah. families to be like that. I mean, that's like me watching fucking what's that stupid fucking Tim Allen TV show. Uh, 
last man standing and me being like, wait a minute, my family's not white trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Yeah, people are stupid. Yeah. Well, there is this weird thing where it's like people assume anytime you put like someone of color or of a different religion than Christianity in a movie that you're somehow they're symbolic of their entire race. And it's like, they're not. They're just that's a character, and that's one of the elements of their character. Like it's right. It, and, nothing in that show implies that everyone is like that. And as a matter of fact, like you've got like the uh, I can't remember. I'm so bad at names lately. But you've got like multiple Muslim people who are all approaching it differently. Like the lead character and her brother take being Muslim plays very different roles in their lives, right? Because he takes it a lot more seriously than she does. And even like she's got her friend who voluntarily wears the headscarf that she doesn't wear. And it's, it is showing a bit of a diversity there. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. One of the, one of the complaints that I saw from the random people is they're like, well, it's trying to be disrespectful of Muslims because the brother who is actually the religious one is also this worthless sack of shit with no job and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, but I don't, does the show imply that he's like a worthless sack of shit? Cause mm-hmm. I thought the show was kind of implying that he's like a student who's kind of like figuring himself out and he's religious. So I took it. Yeah. Uh, I took more, like I didn't, I didn't think he was like worthless at all. Like nobody, nobody in the family seems to disrespect him. Uh, and he's actively worried that he doesn't have a ton of money and they just got married. So it's not like he's like, well, yeah. we'll figure it out. Like he's actively worried about it. It's yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, did you get people are dumb? Brian, how far? I know you said you're behind on it. How far back are you? Uh, I think. The last episode I saw was the wedding episode. Oh, okay. So I'm like a couple episodes. So we yeah. did, we did talk about her origin on here, right? The, she's a gin. Yeah. Yeah. The clandestines. Yeah. Yeah. Such a deep, just the deepest cuts. Yeah. I don't even know. That. They're going so deep. Yeah. And I saw some people were sharing around the, uh, versus the fucking, like the right wing people have no fucking clue. Like we're even complaining about most of the time. But then they were doing the old uh, Marvels replacing white people with oh yeah diverse characters well, and everybody's like is, shut the fuck up. Which I mean, here's the thing. I guess that's I guess that's true with clandestine. But here's the thing: no one gives a fuck. That's why that's why they picked clandestine. And the fucking they had their solo run lasted twelve issues before it was canceled. 12 issues they are not exactly a fucking popular you know deep rooted set of characters in the universe what we're learning from this is not have anything to do with the show it has to do with the fact that we got to stop looking at the comment sections on shit because <laughs> well, this is even comments like, i saw somebody share like something around and that's not that wasn't even the one i was talking about some some uh stupid uh politician lady not the not the usual ones that we all know are stupid. Um, was commenting how they replaced Ms. Marvel with a diverse character because they're getting rid of white people and all their stuff. And everybody was like, "But Carol Danvers is is Captain Marvel. She's she's already in the MCU. Nobody got replaced. Captain Marvel. This is Miss Marvel. Yes. Like that's the thing." is that these people you're listening to people who don't care about this stuff. They're just spewing talking points oh, yeah. and they're not 
they're not real opinions, right? Like that's the thing you got to realize is like there's whatever weird far left people are complaining because oh there's not all Palestinian families are like their Pakistani families are like this and whatever weird right wing assholes that are like oh they're replacing white people none of those people matter there are very small groups of people on extremes and their voices get elevated because the internet's I, a shitty place I the problem is is I used to think that and I think the numbers have proven me wrong I think it's closer to like one in three people are like that that's a lot of people I think the I think I still think the um, I think the internet elevates the worst voices. I'd agree. I'd agree that, that it, it uh, yeah, I agree it does. But I'm saying I've I've seen poll numbers in like one in three people tomorrow if if Hitler came back from the dead and was like, I am running for president, they would be like, That's our guy. He knows how to lead. He's done it before, mm-hmm. you know. You know, some of his ideas weren't too bad, actually. If you really, if you really read up on them, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, I, it's crazy. It's a crazy world we live in, and I, I always thought it was closer to like one in ten. You know what I mean? Like one in ten people are just a crazy asshole, but yeah, it's way more than that. You would think with the, uh, more information at people's fingertips, they would come smarter, but they've proven that is not true. Nope, it just gave them faster access to look up the thing that agrees with them. Good times. Now I'm sad again. We started the show and we were all depressed and sad because of talking about stuff, and now we're doing it to ourselves again. I know. We were brought back to such a happy point with Gamera. Gamera, friend of children. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. I will know I want you to tell us. Why don't you tell us what we're doing next week to make us happy again, especially Doug. I will do that just as soon as I scroll down. Cause I can't remember which ones are next week's. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're going to be watching, uh, Rodan from 1956, which, uh, big, big killer pterodactyl, uh, and the Bermuda depths, which was a 1978 made for TV one. That's got a pretty good cast. Nice. All right. See how that goes. And we're sure that we will be able to find these when we go looking for them in the internet. I I posted in the Discord all the links to all the movies. No one has any excuses to complain and that they can't find them. That was like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, how am I going to scroll up that far? Yeah, it's too scroll, much. Scroll back, we've, motherfucker. We've talked a lot since then. I can't do that. I asked you very specifically to send it out week by week. Make sure they were available internationally. That was your role. <laughs> A link to Crackle, which I can't get in my country, which I used to use all the time when I could get it in my country. Do you know? uh, There, I have re, I copied and pasted it back into the Discord. Did you know Joe Dirt 2 premiered on Crackle? Well, luckily that happened after they banned it in Canada. (laughs) That worked out for everyone. I just, that's one of those movies. So the first Joe Dirt is such a great fucking weird comedy movie. And that second one is fucking awful. I never even bothered watching the second one. No, I don't even know if I've ever seen the first one start to finish. I've only seen like parts of it because it's on TV a lot. Hmm. There's, there's some pretty funny parts, especially if you grew up around a bunch of rednecks like me and Noah did. 
Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a five-star classic or anything, but like, it's a good thing to kind of chuckle at every now and then. But when they announced the second one, I was like, oh no, 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 no. This doesn't need a second one. Uh, Has David Spade ever done anything that requires a sequel? uh, I would have taken another Tommy Boy, maybe, but that's not really because of him. It would have been because of uh, Farley. Well, yeah. Well, if they announced announced the shambling corpse of Chris Farley was making Tommy Boy (laughs) 2, I'd be down. I respect that we said it would be a shambling corpse because Farley would not be able to run. I agree with you. Well, he definitely wouldn't be doing cartwheels anymore. No. It's a bummer. Poor Farley. Just Stop making everyone sad, No, He just wanted You're to make like... people laugh. Yeah, that was another downer. I need to bring it back up. Uh, uh, I got nothing. Fuck. We live in a sad, terrible world. <laughs> it's all gonna end. <laughs> Save yourselves. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.